start that right off the bat. Um, anyway, so anybody that's new, uh, my mom Darlene in the red there, and my dad Bernie, well, his name's Terry, but his nickname's Bernie, and he's the one with the, the cute little dog. <laughs> he usually doesn't have his camera on, but sometimes we'll, we'll see his face. Um, but anyway, yeah, great to, to have you all. We have lots of new faces, some familiar ones, and uh, Nancy and Elle, the ones that keep on trucking week after week. <laughs> yeah, attend all three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so um, anybody that is new, uh, I do record these and have them up on the Learning Zion website. Uh, so if you want to go back and look at any of our previous book clubs, um, once in a while, I, I do forget to record a session. So uh, sometimes you might find one missing. But um, yeah, so we, we've covered quite a few uh, good books and Triumph of Zion is our, our next big fun one. It, this was kind of at the top of my list to, to start off with, but uh, I'm so grateful that we uh, went to, to Isaiah Decoded because I think as reading through chapter one and two here, Isaiah Decoded just really unlocks some of the concepts here in Triumph. And vice versa. I mean, all of these things kind of go together since we're talking about last days, but um, it, it's been a fun journey. Uh, and I'm so excited because this is one of my favorite books. Uh, it, it's just such a compilation of good quotes and truth and, and things that we're all needing here in the last days. Um, so what were, just kind of opening it up for, for everyone, what were your overall thoughts or takeaways from chapter one um, that you'd like to, to talk about? Uh, you know, we'll, we'll dive into actual quotes and, and things on pages, but what's just some of your overall feelings and takeaways that uh, you came away from chapters one and two feeling uh, urgency or uh, the need to, to do certain things in your life? Uh, just throwing that out there. So Cameron, um, I would say one of the things that I love about it is that <clears throat> it gives you hope. You know, he says in what, just page two, <laughs> right away, um, this journey is one that millions will walk and it is not beyond us. So I just think, I know we're going to get into all the specific concepts a lot deeper throughout the book, but just that it's not beyond us and that we can hopefully work toward achieving and attaining these things. I, again, I think it gives a lot of hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's possible. You know, sometimes we, we get mired down in the, the collective, uh, attitude that, oh, no, you can't see Christ in this life. You know, these things aren't possible. We just, we're just waiting on the prophet to tell us to build Zion. But it's possible. There's, it's challenging. It's going to be challenging, but there's hope. We can do it. This is awesome. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. Any other uh, insights and, and takeaways that, that you gleaned from, from chapter one? And if not, we'll, we'll kind of dive into to some of the, the patterns here. So what are, let's talk about misconceptions of Zion. What are some of the misconceptions that, that you've had in the past or, or other people have uh, kind of generally in the church possibly? But what are some misconceptions of Zion? Because here in this first section, it, it outlines what Zion is and what it is not. But why do we have some of the misconceptions that we do? And, and how do we work about overcoming those, helping those around us overcome them uh, after we've uh, come to the party kind of thing. <laughs> um, I really like on, on page one there, it, it talks about first and second. Um, first is the astonishing fact 
of what Zion actually is. And second, that it's a sure knowledge that, that you and I have a place there, you know, that, that we are kind of the parable of the virgins, you know, sometimes um, I remember that it was like Bednar's talk uh, a while back saying, yes, the, the gospel's true, but you know, sometimes it doesn't really apply to me on a personal level. And so uh, really being able to, to stake a claim, Zion is for me. I have a place in building that uh, first in, in my own life and then collectively as, as that unity principle. I think that that's, that's a huge one that the adversary really tries to bog us down with. That, oh yes, the atonement works for everybody else, but, but you have to work a little extra hard and you might not get it in this life. Or, you know, repentance... <sighs> You know, Satan is such a, a good deceiver that way. And so uh, really helping ourselves and, and others overcome that, I, I think, is a, a huge Zion misconception that we um, have in these last days. That is one thing that stood out to me. And that is that all the stories in the scripture, in any of the scriptures, you know, you think of them as being, you know, long ago and they're nice stories and they're cool things that happen, but it doesn't really pertain to me. But I think that's one thing that kind of was, um, came a little clearer to me when reading these two, these two chapters is that if anything happened to anybody, it can happen to me too. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't think that I really got that before. Yeah, exactly. Especially like as a youth or whatever, you know, Oh, Nephi's story. So cool but that only happens to the prophets. It's like, no, uh, later on in the book, uh, I, I've, I can't remember what section, I've read this book many times over and sometimes it get jumbled up, but um, we need to think of the scriptures as a mail order catalog, not just a, uh, uh, things that happen to distant prophets in, in a different time, that these are things that we can have, you know, and the prophets are clearly explaining it in the best language that they, they have for a general audience, but they're telling us point blank, the, the things that we can receive and kind of how to go about receiving them. But it, it's up to us to, to really do that. And yeah, I, that was a huge thing for me as well um, to learn and, oh. I, I think one of, the, um, one of the things that causes a lot of the misconceptions that so many people in the church have about Zion is number one, we think Zion was supposed to be built in Missouri. It's gonna be built in Missouri. We're not in Missouri, so we don't have to worry about building Zion yet. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, oh, it's either something in the past or something in the future, but it's not now, right? It's not, you know, someday the prophet's going to tell us we're all going to walk to Missouri and you know, then, then we'll get ready and then we'll go and we'll build Zion. So you have that. And then you have in, in Utah everything is labeled Zion this, Zion that, you know, Zion <laughs> National Park, Zion Mercantile, Zion this, you know, everything is, it, it's so normal, right? They're like, it's just another word. It's just a, yeah. nobody thinks of it as something spiritual or something godlike at all. It's your normal everyday stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody knows, well, we're not living in Zion for sure. You know, <laughs> if this is the way people act in Zion, uh, how is this any different, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so I think those two things put together really create quite, quite the roadblock toward anybody thinking I can create Zion now or I can be a Zion person or Zion is anything special. 
Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I think we run into a lot of that. And so people don't try or, you know, it, even once they start to understand what Zion is, they're like, well, but I'm, I'm not in Missouri. I'm in whatever state, you know, mm -hmm. wherever. I, I know when we told my mom we were moving to Utah, she thought she was moving to Zion. <laughs> yeah. Oh, has that been a eye opener? <laughs> I love it. But, um, you know, there have been some good things here, but it definitely has been, um, it's been interesting, right? It, so we really need to just internalize all of those things of how we should be living. I, I love the way John puts it in the book, you know, what, what we have to do. What does it look like? Sometimes if we can't picture what it looks like, we have no idea what we need to do to get there. Mm hmm yeah, exactly. I think something like Nancy was just saying, um, a lot of times we just think it's just a place. Like we kind of talk about becoming a Zion people like later. And, and a lot of people don't even know that part at all, but it's usually a place and not necessarily becoming a Zion person or people. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I love that. And so uh, am I... Yeah, you're good. Okay. Um, get my thought together. Oh, it, it, it kept saying that Christ will not return until Zion is built. And so the Lord needs us to build this Zion. And, um, and in this and in Isaiah Dakota that we learned that uh, Zion is with people that are translated. Mm -hmm. And so in order to be translated, we've got to do some work. And so we got to, it behooves us. I, it reminds me of um, Elder Holland not too long ago. He said, it's plenty wicked. Mm -hmm. There's enough wickedness here, but there's not enough righteousness. So it, those who get it and understand that we need to be translated, we need to be working towards that. And it just, on page seven down, let's see here. Anyway, it's talking about the daily horrors that we um, hear about. And uh, it, it just breaks my heart about hearing about the pedophilia and the children that are sold in to slavery and uh and the youth and stuff and the only way that we're going to get that stopped is for us to get on the ball and get this done and it's like it i think when i see the word zion now i think action it requires us that do understand to get on it because yeah. it's, I mean, it's not something that we can be translated overnight. I mean, it, it, there's steps on that ladder that we need to get working on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on page the, 16, it, it dovetails off of that. Uh, toward the top of the page, it says that, so if we do not, is it possible that we may one day be partly accountable 
for the continuing horror of the telestial world. And it's yeah. like, whoa, that hit me like a ton of bricks going, you yeah. know, like we always say, oh, it's so bad. Let's just wait for Christ to come kind of thing. And it, it'll fix. We have to prepare Zion first. Like mm-hmm. we have to get there. And I think that that was one of the, the really eye-opening things studying this and Isaiah decoded together was that there's more steps in between where I was currently at and what the, the translated seraphim level is. There's that whole sun servant level that I was totally ignoring. I didn't know that there was a, a, another part there. And, yeah. and so that was so eye-opening going, oh, that's my next step. I was trying to look way too far ahead beyond the mark and, and jump right to translated status. Like how do I get translated kind of thing to build Zion? It was like, oh, you have this to do first. And, and that was so eye-opening to me. Um, in order to, to really start working on this, doing actionable steps towards this. Um, I I loved what you said. Zion requires action. I just wrote that in my book because it's so true, you know, to become a Zion person, we have to act. And I think, um, I know we're not talking about conference on this call and Mm -hmm. I'm terrible with names. I can't remember who gave this talk, but they talked about becoming a Zion people and how, the key to that is not just loving your neighbor, it's loving Heavenly Father and the Savior so much that that love then boils mm-hmm. over to loving your neighbor. And, and isn't that feel so much more doable, yeah. you know, because it kind of happens like magic, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> you know, it's easier to love Heavenly Father and Jesus and maybe not so easy sometimes our neighbors, but if we work on loving them more and more, then it helps us to love our neighbor. And I love that because honestly, it wasn't like, a specific thought or knowledge that I'd had before. So I think that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another thing on page four, kind of towards the bottom, it, it talks about how nothing is missing from our church. I think that that's another common misconception uh, about Zion is that, oh, we're just waiting for more to be revealed, you know, the prophet to speak, uh, this and that kind of thing. But no, it, it, it's been restored. It's just that we kind of collectively and, you know, in our, our own personal uh, journeys have just kind of ignored some of the, the things for a while. And so, you know, it, it's all present now in its complexity and completeness, but it takes us putting forth a sacrifice of time and energy into gaining that knowledge, into uh, gaining that wisdom of how to build Zion personally you know, and look at President Nelson, like, this is what he's trying to do. He said that there's nothing more important, that he's more worried about our spiritual preparation than our physical preparation, and that we need to get on it. Like, look at how you can hear him. How do you do this? How do you do this? Like, it's time for us to actually step up, you know, a plea to my sisters and and the, the youth battalion. There's there's so many things. Um, the, the priesthood one where he he pulled up the priesthood by their offices, kind of by their, their ranks or whatever. Like, are, are we getting this, uh, the spiritual preparation that, that he's really leading us down? Uh, the Hosanna shout um, and, and the implications of that through, through Isaiah. Like, there's so much here that President Nelson, I, I mean, it's such a testimony builder that uh, he is definitely instrumental in helping us in our spirit because everything's created spiritually before physically right he's so instrumental in the the last push of spiritual preparation before that that physical city's built 
to me anyway, it seems. That talk he gave at conference on the temples and the building the foundation and stuff, it's just like, he's like all pleading with us, please hear what I'm saying, please. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. Um, and a couple of things I also saw on page four, because I underlined what you said too, Cameron. Um, another couple of things was um, God does not task us with impossible assignments. Yeah. And then also all we must do is see what we already possess with an eye of faith. And I think so many times we just go through the motions, whether it's in our prayers or whether it's going to the temple and, and doing a session or whatever. Um, but I think, I know I struggle with this, but I think we miss out on so much when we don't maybe do that with an eye of faith and really looking to see what the deeper meanings are. Um, because I think everything's there, but because we don't look at the deeper part of it and the meanings and the symbolism, and maybe we're not praying for that additional knowledge, then we really miss out and we're not progressing as much or as quickly as we could if we kind of took it a little bit more serious, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of that it, because enduring to the end has just this dual sided thing to me now. Um, so there's the enduring to the end, like, oh, just waiting it out kind of a thing versus enduring to the end, taking trials, taking uh, the, the lack of knowledge or, or mysteries, the yearning for those things and actually pushing through and, and enduring, meaning it's going to be hard work. There's a sacrifice involved in enduring that so that we can come out further ahead kind of thing. But so many, so many times I, I found myself on the opposite side where I'm just enduring, you know, kind of <laughs> waiting it out, uh, no effort involved kind of a thing, you know, just the small and simple things, but nothing more. Um, but yeah, the, the faith with that eye of faith, actually pushing through uh, the, the hard things so that we can actually build our spiritual muscles and uh, come out stronger, better, wiser on the other end. I love that. Cameron, can I share a quote from a book I'm reading with a friend yeah. on faith? And it kind of goes with that about enduring to the end and having faith. And it was from President Kimball's talk called The Foundations of Righteousness. It's quite long, but it says, I have on occasion cited the need for many reservoirs in our life to provide for our needs. I have said some reservoirs are to store water, some are to store food as we do in family welfare programs. There should also be reservoirs of knowledge to meet our future needs, reservoirs of courage to overcome the flood of fear that puts uncertainty in our lives, reservoirs of physical strength to help us meet the frequent burdens of work and illness, reservoirs of goodness, reservoirs of stamina, reservoirs of faith, especially reservoirs of faith so that when the world presses in upon us, we can stand firm and strong. When the temptations of the decaying wicked world about us draws, uh, draws on our energies, saps our spiritual vitality and seeks to pull us down, we need a store of faith that can carry our youth, later adults, over the dull, the difficult, the terrifying moments, the disappointments, disillusionments, and years of adversity, want, confusion, and frustration. Oh, man. And that I thought that was some <laughs> quote, and that was from 1970. When was it here? I just closed it. 1977. 
1977, it was the foundations of something? Foundations of righteousness. Of righteousness, okay. Just an yeah. awesome quote. And as I'm soon like, as you said the how? title of it, I was like, ooh, I'm going to study that one with President Nelson side by side and, and really get some, some good stuff out of there. Yeah, it, and that it, was a long time ago. And look how yeah. where, where the world's come since 77. Yeah. And I'm like, it's so apropos for now to mm -hmm. be filled with faith and righteousness to overcome the world and endure to the end. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Is that a book That's or a I talk? It was a talk, right? That was a conference talk. Okay. The, the very opening one from October, 1977. Gotcha. Yeah, what a way to start off conference with that kind of a talk. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, uh, amazing. That's why I love sitting in, in a book club setting and stuff. Like everybody's reading different things and uh, being able to, to pull together some of these uh, very timely um, quotes and, and things. I love that. Um, so kind of going on to the, the next section, Zion must be built before Christ returns. Um, I, I really love that, that bulleted list on page six. Um, you know, we, we all love timelines and studying those things out. But here, Moses, one of the greatest dispensation heads, is giving us the timeline that we need for our last days. And um, it, it comes in order. Observe the sequence of events that he quotes. Righteousness and truth will sweep the earth as with a flood. The elect will be gathered from the four quarters of the earth. A holy city, the new Jerusalem will be built. The elect may gird up their loins, may gird up their loins, take courage in Zion, and the second coming will occur. I, I think that that was just very um, uh, grounding for me to, to have that uh, specific timeline, just kind of like, I don't know, kind of like a little voice is like... <laughs> Because I, I, I love timelines, don't get me wrong. And, but it was just like, this is the only timeline you need. Focus and, and do, the, do the rest kind of thing. I, I find myself kind of weaning myself off of, of timelines uh, somewhat. But uh, this was a great one. Given by a prophet, 100% correct. That's all we need. <laughs> but just right Where below that. do you think that, we are on that timeline? Oh, I know. That, that's another great question. Um, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I think we're on, on two, right? Ready for, for number three, it, it's ripened, but I, I don't know. That, that would be a very interesting one to, to ponder on this stuff. Like that was just as I was reading it again tonight. Um, I think one and two are kind of happening at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. as we are gathering the the elect from the four quarters of the earth, which is what President Nelson says, right? There's nothing more important right now than the gathering of Israel on both sides of the veil. As we are doing that, I think that is enabling righteousness and truth to sweep the earth as with a flood. Mm, and I think yeah. a lot of times we have a tendency as mortals to think linearly and we yeah. think this is going to happen and then this is going to happen and this is going to happen. But how does the Lord think? Everything is all happening at the same time for him. So you know, how do we know what order it is? And I, I think one and two are happening at the same time. I think, mm -hmm. I think we're in the middle of it now. Yeah, for sure. Maybe toward the end of it, because I'm seeing, you know, righteousness and truth will sweep the earth as with a flood, but I'm seeing an awful lot of wickedness and, <laughs> and falsehood, right? Yeah. Out there. And I guess the, the thing that helps you to understand, maybe, maybe that's it, is we know that 
whenever you get more good, you get more evil, right? And they're balanced. Do you have a balance? And if we can look out and see how much evil there is in the world, there really is that much good out there. We just don't see it because they don't talk about it on the news, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, maybe sure. the righteousness and truth has swept the earth like a flood. Yeah, it's just, it's just stealth mode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So you guys, with that, with the number, with the third bullet being um, a holy city, the new Jerusalem will be built. Do you guys think that that's going to be like announced? Do you think it's just going to be like a very individual thing where a sick president or bishop will say, hey, sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so, you've been called to the new Jerusalem to help build, or it will just be a prompting from the Lord? What do you guys think? That's a great question. I love it. I think that the land has to be cleared first. We can't go in there and build the new Jerusalem until there's space and it's it's been cleared off. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting how the the church has really bought up, made a big push for for buying up a lot of land recently and stuff. And so, yeah, I that that's a great question. Later on in this chapter, I'm not sure exactly off the top of my head, but it says that many angels will be called to be building that and stuff. So I think. You know, it's going to be this great, magnificent work on both sides of the veil to be actually the, the actual physical building of it. So, so here's yeah, a you're, you're thinking it needs to be cleared first. So then, then what? How do you think we'll be called there? Here's so, a thought. Okay. I don't know if you guys know who Scott Palmer is. Mm -hmm. So he, Palmer, are you a cow? I am a cow, yes. <laughs> and so he he has a really good explanation as to why we had the opportunity to build Zion there back in the early church, but it wasn't done. And so he he talks about the possibility of the center of the New Jerusalem being in Salt Lake City. And then you look at all the people that are coming this way and moving this way. And, and I don't know, I don't know the answer, but it's just something to keep in mind that, you know, it, it may not end up being what we're thinking of going to Missouri and doing it there, but it might be happening right under our noses as we speak, as we learn that it could be happening and be right here. I don't know. Just a thought. Yeah, that's very interesting. He has a video just about that, and he really makes a good case for it. So anyway, just an idea. I'm going to have to watch that. And so, yeah, I, he, he I does indeed. He does indeed make a very good case for it. Huh. But it, it's one of those things where you're like, mm. I know as soon as you say it, it seems kind of jarring to me, like, uh, but like, you know, I haven't watched the video and stuff. I, I'm going to have to watch that. And yeah, really please watch it. And then we, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I love that. But I, I think I think um, it's important as we go through Come Follow Me, where each year we're seeing things that apply to us, right? Mm -hmm. it, starting last year, it seemed like everything we were studying, wow, that's what we need this week. And <laughs> it's the same thing right now. Um, but when we were studying, you know, the members of the church who were told to go to Zion to start with, right? There were some who were told, you need to go and you need to build and you need to do these things. But then there were other members who they weren't told to go yet. 
they hadn't consecrated what they needed in Kirtland and they just ran off to Zion because hey, I want to be there. This is the place to be. Uh, yeah, no, I know I haven't consecrated yet, but they showed up and said, okay, I'm ready for you to give me my inheritance. I haven't, I haven't done anything, but you know, gimme, gimme, gimme. Right. Yeah. And, and it was this huge influx of people doing things out of order mm-hmm. that um, caused a lot of problems at, for the church. And I think that's a, a reminder for us even now that if we do things out of order, we may be causing some problems. We even had um, a talk in conference about sequential order. Yeah. Think about that. You know, sure, yeah, we know about some of these sequential order things, but I think there's another layer of lesson there. What else are we supposed to be doing in sequential order? Mm-hmm. Now, I think that, yes, a lot of people are being, are being brought to Utah and I think this is a gathering place. I don't know that it's the end place. I think it's a gathering place to get people here to build, to find those Zion people who then could go to Missouri and build it. But they have to be refined here first. I, I think that's that's my opinion. That's where I think we are. And I think that's why some of the things that Scott Palmer sees is very accurate. Um, but I also think that, you know, we know that Zion is going to be how big? How many miles? That's true. It's going to be a huge place. <laughs> and, and it will grow. Who, it will continue to grow. And it will continue to grow. And as I, I just drove to Missouri at last month, okay? <laughs> it's um, about 900 miles to Western Missouri from Utah County, which is where I live. So you're about a thousand miles from Zion. Well, if if Zion is supposed to be like 1600 miles or something like that, this could be part of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, positively. That's interesting. Um, no question at all. But if, you know, if the Lord has given floor plans for the temple in the New Jerusalem, you know, it doesn't look like any of the temples we have here except maybe the cupcake temples, which are like smaller, you know, <laughs> that hit me as I was, as I was reading this, I'm like, oh, wait, you know, Provo temple is like that. The, there's six rooms and they're in a circle. They're all around them. You know, if you've ever been in the Provo temple or in, what is it? Ogden is the other one that's like that. There's mm-hmm. two cupcake temples um, that are very, very much that kind of style. Yeah. Um, think about that on a larger scale. I I could definitely see us building that in Missouri. I don't think we have, you know, we don't have anything like that here. And it's not the Salt Lake Temple, you know, isn't built that way. Um, But I was was in a class um, at Education Week where they were talking about in the millennium, where the law is coming from and where the, you know, Christ is supposed to reign, you know, Jerusalem, New Jerusalem, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. So the question, what if it was, instead of actually Jerusalem in the Middle East, what if one of them is Salt Lake City and the other is in Missouri? Just. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting thing to to think about. Go back and think about that and study that a little bit. Let me know what you, what you, um, Mm -hmm. it's just, 
it's something rattling around in my brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, let's see. Let's look around. Hey, Cameron, while you're looking for that, um, I'm still on page six. So Zion is the highest blessing of this dispensation. And because it is the greatest, building it is the greatest challenge we will ever face. So what do you guys think that challenge encompasses? Yeah, I, I love changing that. Changing ourselves. What's that? Changing, changing ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the ultimate thing first. I think that anything physically we build is going to be easy after yeah. we re, you know, recreate our own selves. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like going through the Doctrine and Covenants this year with Zion's camp and a, kind of overlaying that on top of the call out and, and some of these principles. Like those are greatest challenges, but it builds leaders. It builds the, the Lord's battalion, the Lord's army kind of thing, you know, like what they went through, it wasn't what they expected, but yet it was the greatest challenge that they faced in order to become who they needed to become. And so, yeah, I look at that a lot with the Isaiah uh, perspective there of like, yeah, I, I, I was missing the mark, but uh, here's, here's the game plan and here's who I need to become. Here's uh, studying the Abraham book, you know, like through all of his tests and trials, uh, they, they were increasingly greater. And sometimes he was called multiple times to go through them, but on a, on a different level in order to, um, to not just endure, but to, to endure kind of thing. And so that, that's to grow and to thrive with each one. It's kind of like you're going on a spiral, right? You mm -hmm. go through the same kind of thing, but at a higher level, as you come up and ascend, you're kind of do this spiral staircase kind of thing. Think mm -hmm. about it. And, and like a staircase, I like that metaphor there because like your legs are getting tired, more tired, the, mm -hmm. <laughs> the more you're trudging along there kind of thing, you know, like these trials get way harder mm -hmm. each time, but yet you have with greater challenge, you have greater faith to mm -hmm uh to go through them kind of thing but but yeah it, and one of the lower ones right so you do this easier one and you go man this is just so hard and then you realize you get through it and then when something comes around again you're like oh okay i've been through this before mm -hmm. this, is, this one's a little harder than before but i know i did this before and in each time you're strengthening those muscles and each time you're getting a little stronger and then, you know, you're up here and you're going, wow, this is way harder than what I had to do here that I thought was really difficult. <laughs> That's really easy now. And you realize how much you've grown through <laughs> that. And, and, and as you do those spirals and you, you're doing multiple ones in different areas of your life at any given time, right? But as you do that and recognize the growth that you're having, you can see this is how the Lord is changing you if you'll let him, if you will let him work a great change in your heart. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's what we need to do. We have to, we have to, as, as individuals and as families and as wards, as neighborhoods, as a church, we need to leave Babylon behind. We need to give up our idolatries we we need to change our heart and and what we focus on and uh when we're ready to do that 
then I think we'll be ready, you know, to create that Zion. But there are still so many traditions mm -hmm. and and things, even holidays or celebrations that we want <laughs> to cling to. Yeah. That are definitely not Zion-like. And even well-meaning people will start attacking us for some of that, that stuff, right? Uh, through Isaiah Dakota, that, that helps prepare me for, for some of my stuff. But, uh, you know, since this is a, a new group, not trying to beat a dead horse or anything, but um, since we have lots of newbies, but uh, in our, our last book club, um, during it, not because of it, but um, my, my family held an intervention and, and tried to to get me to stop studying and, and looking beyond the mark and all of this kind of stuff. And it was like, whoa, whoa, where's the disconnect kind of thing? Like that was a huge trial because I was like, this is my family and they're not getting it, but yet they're, they're well-meaning individuals. They're, they're, you know, but that was, that was a huge uh, trial for me to be like, okay, how do I not you know, share pearls before swine, uh, you know, and, and stuff like this, but at the same time, help my family learn uh, as well and stuff. And uh, I don't know, it, it could have rocked me, but I, I feel like the Lord prepared me through some of these uh, concepts and stuff through these book clubs for that specific thing. And I was able to endure it because um, I, I had preparation involved in it. It was still hard to go through and I'm sure it's not over. I'm sure I'll have many more goes but at the same time, that it's that building process. It's it's the greatest challenge. I, I never thought that my <laughs> my own family. I I kind of thought like community members might you know talk about me behind my back or whatever. But I never thought it would come from my own family, my immediate family. And so it's like, oh okay, uh, I can do this. I can do hard things. But man, that that was that rocked me quite a bit. It took me a few days to recover from it. Well. I'm still recovering in some ways because sometimes I have like little nagging thoughts that, that Satan will put in there like, oh, you should have told him this or all of this. But um, at the same time, it's just been this huge learning curve, this greatest challenge for me on, on you know, this level that I'm, I'm learning at that, oh, okay, I can do this and this can actually help my family you know, like we just didn't have a dialogue before, but now, you know, it was, it was a painful way to start a dialogue, but, but now we can have this and, and uh, open up a little bit more and, and, and share things. But um, the, the trials rarely come in the way that you're expecting, but, you know, I, I at least knew one was coming, but um, I think that that's another reason why it's the, the greatest uh, challenge for us is because it, it's something that you can never fully prep for it. You know, sometimes it, it's always going to kind of catch you by surprise in one way or another kind of thing. Hi, I'm new. I, um, I'm Jeanette. I'm from Florida. I'm sorry. I washed my face when I got your message about the book club and I was oh, like, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm like <laughs> taking off my makeup and I'm in my jammies. I'm sorry. It's super late here. Totally um, I loved what the last lady said and what you said, but how she was talking about like traditions and um, I've read, so I read, or I listened to the audible of Triumph of Zion. So I'm sorry, I don't have a physical book to follow, but I just wanted to hear what y'all had to say. But, and now I'm reading Isaiah Dakota and I, I'm reading it. So, um, but one thing that I've like 
I heard Elder Bednar say, and as he said, you know, we keep hearing about this chosen generation. You're the chosen generation. And he basically said, if you're the chosen generation, start acting like it. <laughs> and so I literally like I, I talk to my kids all the time and we have like these family councils. And, you know, so tonight I was like one of the important things was talking about what we're going to do in a couple weeks during Halloween and just the traditions. Um, I'm in the Relief Society president here in um, presidency in my ward and our Relief Society president kind of sprung it on us in a group text this morning about a trunk or treat at our church. And I had already decided like, I'm not going to, and it's okay if anybody on here does, I'm not judging, but I already decided for me and my family, I don't want to participate in anything um, traditional for, for those kind of things. But tonight I was talking to my kids and I just said, I just asked them and it was so cool because it, they like sunk in, but I said, where is the light in that? Where's the light of Christ? I said, if we are preparing for the return of Jesus Christ, and we pray every time we pray to be a Zion-like people and to have a Zion-like home, that's a prayer that my three-year-old prays. Um, but if we're supposed to be these people, then we have to start acting like it. And we have to start doing things that are centered on Jesus Christ and his light. And where's the light in that? And if it doesn't have light there, I don't want any part of it. And, you know, just what can we create that has light? What can we create that is focused on service and gathering and, and Christ-centered? And I think that that's like just a huge key of figuring out our next steps. Okay, where's the light? And how can I be the light of Christ for others? And if there is no light, whether it's in our TV shows or our music, or the books we read, if there's no light, we need to get rid of them. That's yeah. the debris. That's the debris of the world and we need to drop it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that because uh, I forget where exactly in this chapter it talks about the, the Babylonian part of it. You know, like that Babylon and Zion are mutually exclusive. I mean, there's no part that overlaps. And so sometimes we, we have certain traditions or Babylonian uh ideas or or fun things or whatever and, and we just got to be able to distinguish and be able to to willingly leave those things behind that's that's part of the greatest challenge that, that we have is Cameron, sometimes those things are really loved mm -hmm. it's on page 16 it's we a, must awaken from the slumber of babylonian normalcy yeah. shine forth and rend that veil of unbelief and I, I love what you said, Jeanette, that um, where's the light? Absolutely. You know, we're having, our word is having a chili cook-off. I think they're doing a trunk or treat at the same time. We're not going to participate in that. We are making chili, you know, uh, that kind of thing. But we haven't, we haven't had trick-or-treaters at the house um, for a couple of years. And that's such a change for us because Halloween used to be a big thing. You know, all the time our kids were growing up when we were always out um, doing all that in the neighborhood. And when we first moved out here, we converted an entire room to a 
haunted maze and you know we did a grand massive thing but i i gave away all of my halloween decorations last year and you know when i sat and thought about it as i started to look at this and where do i want to go and 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 where is the light exactly that thing is you know we've we've given up all sorts of things because they didn't bring light to our lives mm-hmm. i i i really like I really like what you said, Jeanette, about that being the debris, you know, because I've been asking my question, you know, what debris do I have to remove? I mean, I, I've, I've been doing a lot of house cleaning, you know, the last few years. What what else do I have to get rid of? <laughs> um, you know, but that that's that's a great way to look at it is what brings light and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. But I think I think we need to, as a church, the thing that's holding us back is a lot of those traditions is a lot of that debris is a lot of the a lot of the ways that were normal church expectations and thoughts and this is the steps this is what you're going to do this is how your life is going to go and i see so many people who who still long for that to come back mm-hmm. and i'm like you got a chance to get rid of it all last year and now you're coming all back to it Mm-hmm. leave it leave it behind um yeah because you know, like, ultimately zion is about being a translated being a, a seraphim a, that level that caliber of a person and what does that basically boil down to it means that your will is completely turned over to god and it's god's will you're doing his work and so I mean, deep down, I think we all know what that looks like in its fullest sense, you know, like the end goal. And so just moving towards that, it, it's going to take a lot of different sacrifices, a lot of different challenges and, and trials to, to go through. But piece by piece, as we start overcoming our natural wants and tendencies and moving towards that, that end goal there of being one with God and, and the Savior, uh, it's glorious, but, but it's a hard <laughs> road to hope because, you know, we, we love a lot of the, the things uh, we're here in this world to experience, but, but ultimately we have to, of our own volition and agency to, to turn that over and, and do his work and, and bring it's, souls to him. To purge that desire for the things of Babylon from our souls, right? To, to purge that so that we no longer desire those things. And as we take steps, you know, as when I decided I was going to stop watching TV shows, right? I was going to stop watching any network TV shows and all of the shows that I love to watch. And, 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 and I got rid of streaming services and got rid of cable and did all of that. And then it wasn't in front of me anymore. And then I realized that I, I really don't have a desire to go back. And mm-hmm. I, I you know, the, one of the biggest things lately has been the new James Bond movie, right? So the new James Bond movie came out, what, last week or something like that. And I've been hearing all sorts of people in all sorts of places talking about this new James Bond movie. And a couple of my kids saw it yesterday and, and brought up the fact that they make a, you know, Book of Mormon or a Mormon reference or something in reference to somebody who looks like a missionary white tie, you know, white shirt tie, whatever. <laughs> And one of my sons said he called it just before Bond did, right? You know, but 
I, I I've seen the I've seen the trailer. I've heard the people tell me, hey, it's a James Bond movie that doesn't have sex scenes in it. It doesn't have gore. I'm like, well, that's different. And and they're telling me all these great things, but I I don't have a desire to see it anymore. And this is from somebody who's seen every Bond movie, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, you know, I've gone from this movie buff who I would go to movies on opening night, I'd take my kids, we'd go to midnight showings, you know, all those kinds of things to, I don't know when the last movie I was, I saw in a theater was. To a it's, Triumph of Zion book club member. That's what you've become. <laughs> I have gone from a movie buff to a book club member. You know, I've been, we've been doing this all year, right? Cameron, did we start this in January? Yeah. yeah you know? This is this is all an all year. We've gone through the whole gamut, you know, Abraham, Isaiah decoded, Isaiah, and now this, you know, it, it's a change of what your focus is, of what your, where do you spend your time? Mm -hmm. What do you do with your time during the day? What do you listen to? Yeah. You know. And, and kind of letting the temple go through us on a regular basis, I think it has changed me along that same line that you're talking about there. Mm -hmm. You know, like some of my things, I, I never thought, like I was a, a big uh, TV show watcher and stuff like that. One of my favorite shows, sad to admit, was Dexter. It, it was my all-time favorite show. And I could not wean myself off of it. I had to know how the story ended season after season. I had to. It, it, was, it was compulsive. And then... I, with this whole switch with, with COVID and everything and, and awakening up to, to lots of different stuff. It's just like, I just don't even have a desire anymore. And I never thought I would be able to reach that level because I always thought I would be somewhat hooked on it and, and need to know how some of the stories ended or, or whatever, you know, kind of thing. But like, yeah, I, that, that flip of the switch is a noticeable effect of the desire. I don't even desire to sin in, I mean, I'm not calling into sin for everybody. I mean, like right, everybody's right. on their own personal journey, but for me, the Lord told me to give it up and, and I don't even have a desire to sin that way anymore. And, and I never thought I'd get there. I'm hoping that same principle applies to all the other aspects of my life that I'm trying to work on right now, you know, that I don't even have a desire to do it anymore. But once you wean yourself off of it, you know, sometimes it's easy. I've done kind of like the sugar fast before, you know, but I always keep going back. But like, you know, sometimes then you just don't even have a desire. It, you you kind of help yourself wean off of it. But um, it's just such a, a huge process to go through. There's so many things in every person's life that we just have to be able to, to sacrifice on a continual basis. And eventually the Lord will help us remove those desires and, and some of those memories. You know, that was a, a huge thing. Uh, that I've really started praying that the Lord will help me erase the junk memories and uh, replace them with, with better things to help that desire aspect of things. You know, like, you know, I, I've, I flooded my head with lots of stupid stuff. Please help me just kind of erase some of the unnecessary stuff. Cause I think you need some of it so that you can remember not to go back, but you know, help me erase the unnecessary stuff and replace it with better. Uh, when I started praying specifically for that, it helped a, a lot in that desire uh, aspect, I, I would say. But um, <laughs> circling back to where I kind of started that comment, letting the temple go through you. I think that that's a, a huge thing too, because our bodies are temples and having that go through us constantly helps also to 
reformat our desires in, in a better way. Um, how do you do that? How do you let the temple go through <laughs> you? What, how do you make that work for you? Uh, well, that, that's a detailed process, but I try to, to go in my mind through all of the temple ordinances every day. So as I'm putting on my garments, looking at, at symbols and going through the baptism imagery in my head, uh, as you know, like when I'm showering, getting ready, as if I'm being born again in, in water kind of thing, and the clothing myself, initiatory uh, imagery. And then at night, you know, you know, I went through the whole day with the, the five uh, ordinances of the gospel, thinking about them at some point in the day. And then at night, I really, in my head, try to do the veil ceremony in my final prayers for the night so that I am parting the veil and sleeping in the presence of the Lord. In the presence, in the of, the presence Lord, of the Lord, face to face with him, trying to, to commune. So like, I'm trying to let the temple go through me all during the day and, and I'm not perfect at it. Like, trust me, like, I, it fails most days, but I, I, I'm trying to, to do that. And the days that I'm, I'm great at it are, are wonderful days, full of revelation, full of all that kind of stuff. But I, I try to, to really incorporate that, uh, pull phrases and memorize certain aspects of, of the endowment and, and the ceremonies and, and rehearse those on a, on a daily basis. You know, like I said, it, it, most days <laughs> it fails, but the, just the fact that there's effort in it really helps to let the temple go through me. And, and I feel those, those blessings, that power, um, you know, as, as we've studied Abraham and, and stuff like that, the, the trials just seem way easier when, when you're living within the veil within the, the ceremonies of, of the temple kind of thing. Um, Cause it, it just helps ground you and have a, a proper perspective as you're going through them kind of thing. My process anyway. Cameron, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I've never heard um, of doing it in that way. And I love that. Thank you. That's very, very helpful. Very good idea. And envisioning um, is a huge thing. So, you know, I, I, I agree half and half with uh, LDS Perfect Day, Chris Sabian stuff, but um, uh, what he talks about with the envisioning process, like if you can actually envision when you're in, in your mind, you know, parting the veil, going through the veil ceremony of the temple and stuff, and then actually conversing with God in prayer, like you're actually seeing his face and, and being able to, to be a part of the scene rather than just Mm -hmm. praying as if you're writing on a piece of paper and sending it with a, a carrier pigeon kind of thing mm -hmm. but actually envisioning was was transformative to me in my process being able to kind of see with my mind's eye um i, I would also recommend that just throwing that out there yeah i love that you're, thank you you're on the motivation cameron doesn't it but, sorry what was that is like takes a lot to do with your motivation right yeah 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 I mean, if you're, if you're doing it to get a merit badge, then you're only doing it because somebody else wants you to do it. But mm -hmm. when you really want to do it for yourself, being the fact that you are trying to learn and perfect a particular skill or talent, then it's a whole different matter. I mean, if you're practicing the piano because your mom wants you to practice the piano, it's a whole lot different than if you're desiring to practice the piano because you want to play some concerto someday or you want to be able to really 
you want to be able to shine as a pianist instead of just trying to impress your friends, there's a big difference there. And that's the motivation. We can change it in our hearts and in our minds to achieve some particular aspect, the temple, the gospel, becoming Christ-like. Um, you know, the fact that, that when you first come upon a person, if you think good thoughts about that person, whether you're driving on the road or you're meeting them in, the, in public, if the first things you can think about are happy things or positive things, then you're on a Christ-like road. But if the next first thing you think about is their hair's too long or they got too many tattoos or you don't like the way they park across the line, the whole idea is then you are, um, you're not where it is that you want to be, I think. So, and, and that's the, the only, there's only one person who can make that determination and yeah. And that would be you. And if you can recognize that, and if you take that particular request to the Lord, say, you know what? I saw this person give a talk today, and the first thing I noticed was uh, they read their whole talk, or their hair kept falling in their face, or et cetera. You fill in the blank. Then you were focused on the wrong thing. Yeah. But if you sat in the audience and you thought, you know what? I really like the way they helped me to see something or I, I see that they are an individual who has a deep desire to try to change and get better. I will just pray for them that they will get the exact needed motivation to be able to improve. That's, that's the big difference. And that's what day by day gets us closer to being Zion inside and then once we are Zion inside, I can promise you that Zion will appear on the outside. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Cameron, we're on this subject of um, praying. And I know that there's, it seems like the church has taught us that we shouldn't pray to Jesus and only through the Father. So, so can we talk a little bit about that? Like, how do you envision yourself praying to Jesus? And I don't know. I don't know how to ask the question. Does anybody know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because I, I've wrestled with that a lot. Because when when somebody first said that that they prayed to Jesus and not Heavenly Father or whatever, it was so jarring to me. I was like, yeah. what the heck are you talking about? Like, no, as missionaries, we drill this into people, right? You know, like, yeah. address only father you close in the name of jesus christ amen kind of thing yeah but i find that um what i talked about there with going through the veil ceremony who's pulling us through the veil this is christ and then he takes us to the father so like we, we kind of have this ongoing conversation with with all of them with with the godhead right i mean the the holy ghost directs our prayers and, and helps us know what to pray for and how to pray and what we need and, and stuff like that can inspire us and then this is just my stuff. I, you know, whatever. But um, as, as I pull through the veil and, and actually have a conversation with Christ about his role in my life and, and everything, like, you know, I, I usually thank him for the atonement at, because of what happened today. You know, like 
it, it humbles me that, that you paid the price for, for that mistake that I made today. And, and I'm so grateful for, for what you've done. And, um, you know, I just, I have a conversation in, in my head kind of with him. And then after our, our conversation's over, I say, okay, can let's, let's go talk to father together and, and envisioning that process of him by my side, being my advocate, my, my everything and speaking to the father for the actual blessings that, that I need help with, you know, like this person needs help and I need ministering angels to, to go help them because they're distant, you know, like, how do we, how do we make that happen? Uh, is that something that I need to pray for an individual by name or whatever, like counseling together? It's just like this great counsel that I'm speaking with Christ and with heavenly father, but there's it, if we format it where we're, only addressing Christ and leaving God out of it, I think that that's wrong. And, but there's certain times that we do need to counsel with Christ because of the atonement in our lives, because he's paid the price. He knows how to sucker us through those moments. And so, but it, it, it's all there, you know, like we're, we're dealing with the entire Godhead, but that's how I, handle it in my the other the other question is does mother have a place in this conversation you know yeah absolutely just remember this the whole plan is the father so he is the master organizer of the plan and jesus christ is the uh is the lead foreman on the job he's the one he's the project manager as my wife said so if you recognize and you worship the father and you realize that the plan is his, you address him and, and you, you take a lot of the issues to him, but you also have to use, you can talk to Christ and you can talk to mother as well. Uh, in fact, just, just as a, just as a side note, uh, one time I was pondering quite a bit of this and, uh, uh and I'd gone down this path of, uh, People being accountable, that's the pattern of life uh, where people have to be accountable. You know, the, we're accountable kind of to our bishop. The bishop is accountable to the stake president. The stake president's accountable to the area 70s or the quorum of the 12 and the apostles. And then, and then, then Jesus Christ is, uh, the, the prophet is accountable to Christ and Christ is accountable to dad, father. And, and I, and I kind of was at that moment, I said, well, if that's the case, then who are you accountable to? I, I put it to him right face to face right there to ask father, who are you accountable to? <laughs> and without a skip and a heartbeat, he gave me the answer. And he says, I'm accountable to your mother. <laughs> and uh, oh, and when, when and I just I couldn't help it. It's one of them cases where you're you got the answer and I just started to giggle. Um uh, and it made it, you know, you kind of go, oh, yeah, I'm right here in the middle of this really serious prayer. And all of a sudden he gives me the answer. And I thought that was the wildest thing, but it, it seems about right. And then it, then all of a sudden parts of the temple ceremony and all of the stuff that we learned in the temple just kind of popped into place. They work as a team, keeping each one accountable. And I know that uh, part of most of my life has been greatly blessed because I am accountable to my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it helps, it helps as a strengthening agent 
for overcoming all kinds of things in life. But that that was one of the greatest revelations that that came to me. And and you can pray to to the Father, but you can have a discussion with the Savior. Mm-hmm. You can actually yeah, pray. Like- you can have pray towards Mom, towards things, and, and and she can send you messages too, because we've got the Holy Ghost, which is a a communicator and a testifier from the Father. You got the Holy Spirit which is the communicator and the testifier from Christ. And then I'm sure that mom uses both of them in both ways and connects with us and lets us both go. Not only that, we have got ancestors. We have got all kinds of people on the other side of the veil who are working in our behalf. So, you know, you can talk to these people. You're not worshiping them. You're not praying to them, but you are. you can communicate with them. And they can communicate back once we've trained ourselves to hear and to recognize their communication. But yes, you pray to the Father. Jesus Christ is your advocate. You can communicate with him. And you can have two different conversations at the same time. You know, let's talk to dad. And then I I got some questions. Can I help help with this? Then take it along. You're you're not limited in your prayers as as to how far or how you can focus. Yeah, I think it's all about kind of counseling, you know, like it's all one great counsel kind of thing. Yeah. Thank Becky. you. Um, I have an experience I'd like to share in regards to that a little bit. When my youngest was born, I was so exhausted. I was dealing with health issues throughout the pregnancy. And I remember it was one of those nights where every time I'd hear her wake up, I'd just pray. It's like, please let her actually sleep tonight because I cannot function anymore. And the thought came to me to ask if Heavenly Mother could come help out. Because I thought, who better could help her out than Heavenly Mother? And it had to have been a prompting because I've never done that before. And so I asked and she went silent. So I know that she's there and that she's willing to help out when we ask and it wasn't something that I would have ever thought of before so it was tender mercy that the spirit prompted me to ask that Mm -hmm. I find that there's great power in that when we because I do a lot with family history right you know that that know me um and and I have a, a YouTube video how to distinguish the voice of the spirit versus the voice of our ancestors, how that, because you can tell the difference between them once you're, you're trained in that. And, and sometimes it, it's okay to pray to heavenly father and by name, send somebody else on your behalf, kind of a thing, uh, or like to, to call on people by name. Like I'm not able to, to function and, and do this, this thing, but I need it done and you can call on people, but like, if they're available, please send them because they would be a perfect person to go help this person. Uh, but like in, in Becky's case there, you know, like, don't be afraid to, to call on the great ones, you know, sometimes because especially if you're guided by the spirit, obviously, you know, like call on Heavenly Mother to, to go and do that. And if it's Heavenly Father's will that, that that happens, he will dispatch those ministering angels. And, and it, 
we don't know how everything plays out, but um, many times I've called on people by, by name and, and I felt that it wasn't quite the right name, but Heavenly Father dispatched the right ministering angel uh, to, to go help, even though it wasn't the person that I had called on by name. But, but don't be afraid to throw out some names and, and things. I find that uh, family history work helps me become familiar and have those names ready to go. When the spirit prompts, I'm able to, to help um, plead for, for specific individuals on the other side of the veil to, to go and, and help my loved ones or community members or, or whatever and stuff. And so I, I really love that, that example there of, of uh, asking Heavenly Father to, to send uh, Heavenly Mother in, in that regard there. Um, circling back a little bit to your thing on the temple and letting the temple go through you. One of the things um, on page 14 in the book, it talks about people entering the doors of the temple, participating, and then returning to the same door to reemerge into Babylon. And one of the things that struck me when I heard that this last time, because I've read this book several times, is... Um, something I learned about the ancient temples, you know, at education week this summer is that you'd go in one door and you'd come out a different door. And what does that teach us? We go in one door, we participate in things and come out a different door. We don't come back out the same door to the same world. We should be a changed person. We should be changed by the temple and by what we experience. And I think that that is another issue that we have is that so many so many of us go into the temple, we go, we go through the temple, and then we come back out to the same Babylon and embracing the same things, and we leave the temple in the temple, and we come back to our life, right? Instead of coming in, changing who we are, and then trying to come out into a better world. I love that. Yeah. So, and we can um, do that on I the daily basis too not return back to to who we were the previous day try to become better as we let the temple go through us go through the other door and not just back hmm, i love that so we had stake, we had state conference today and our stake president actually talked about um in his final talk he um he talked about the temple and he said, he talked about, um, actually he talked about Christ and how Christ, he grew strong. He waxed strong in the spirit. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Right. So when he was talking about filled with wisdom, he was talking about the temple and the temple recommend first three temple recommend questions. Right. And we are filled with wisdom when we attend the temple. And then he, he started, he says he likes music. He likes lots of music. And he, um, had us, uh, he talked about the song up on the roof that was sung by James Taylor up mm -hmm. on the roof. It, you know, for some of you who are younger, you might not know that <laughs> what the song is, but if he, he says to, to listen to the song and every time it's up on the roof substitute in the temple and the words are this when this old world starts getting me down and people are just too much for me to face i claim climb way up to the top of the stairs and all my cares just drift right into space and i'm going to change the words as we do in the temple it's peaceful as can be 
and there the world below can't bother me. Let me tell you now, when I come home feeling tired and beat, I go up where the air is fresh and sweet in the temple. I get away from the hustling crowd and all that rat race noise down in the street in the temple. In the temple, the only place I know where you just have to wish to make it so. Let's go up in the temple. Let's go up in the temple. All at night, the stars put on a show for free. And darling, you can share it all with me. I keep a telling you, right smack dab in the middle of town, I found a paradise that's trouble proof up in the temple. And if this world starts getting you down, there's room enough for two in the temple, in the temple. Come on, baby, in the temple. Everything is all right in the temple. Hmm. Very interesting. I love that. So there you go. There's a, a new... <laughs> Paradigm shift. <laughs> right? Uh, but how better? I mean, just... That was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. You know? And, and how firm is our foundation? What better place to gain wisdom? Mm-hmm. But we have to go into the temple, gain that wisdom, let it change us, not just be an escape from the world, but let it change us and go out a different door. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So we're not coming out the same as we went in. Yeah, leaving that all behind. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, is there... Any other quick points before we end for the night? We went over quite a bit, sorry. Uh, but when this discussion's good, it's good. <laughs> Can I ask you what your website is and where to find these other videos like the Isaiah and all that? Yeah, so let me bring that up really quick. Um, it is a learningzion.com. Um, so last year, for some reason, the Lord prompted me to create a social networking Facebook substitute for when Facebook goes down. And so I created it, but then Facebook has just kind of kept going. So, you know, it it's used, but but not extensively, but it's there for, for the future for something. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so learningzion.com, you, you'll have to register to, to get in to even see anything. But um, here, uh, just on the, the regular page, um, the homepage anyway, there's what we're studying this week versus next week in our book clubs. And if you wanted to uh, go and view our other ones, up at the top, there's a thing called book clubs and classes. You click on it. And um, so the first book that we did was The Blessings of Abraham. And then we went into the Isaiah Decoded and the, the actual book of Isaiah, the text, the scripture of Isaiah. And so that's all in there. Um, I had some, some classes that I taught here locally, and I recorded those. Uh, gospel symbolism, Esdras, Chiasmus, and Truths on Eden. And then um, I just put all of Jody Stoddard's private videos there in a class as well, if you wanted to, to look at those. Um, uh, we haven't done the Ascension text yet. That's something that I need to get to. But um, anyway, that's all in the, the book clubs there. If you go into discussion groups, um, you know, they're not fully used right now, but there's lots of different categories. Uh, they're just like groups on Facebook. So like a food storage group, a priesthood and power group, um, uh, 
Isaiah Institute. Like, there's lots of different groups that you can join and and have discussions there. But you know, there's not a whole lot in there right now. But you know, you're free to to comment and, and create discussion there. Uh, some reason it'll be used in the future, but I'm not sure the full extent of that yet. It was just prompting that I acted on and that's where I'm putting videos for now. It's kind of a safe space because I, I upload these videos as unlisted to YouTube. And so they can't just be found just by a quick YouTube search, but um, I, I put all of the links only on Learning Zion so that anybody here can just go and quickly access them and, and view past sessions. So there's three different groups, the group A and B that are on Sundays and group C that's um, on Wednesdays. And then group D is an in-person group that I, I have here. I don't record those ones, um, but it's just those three groups. So on any given lesson, you'll see uh, out to the side of each video, group A, group B, group C. This one right here is group B. Um, if you're looking for any of those, but yeah, some people bounce around uh, you're more than welcome to. I, you're not stuck in, in any given group. And um, some of them attend all three. It, it's fun to kind of go back because the conversation is wildly different in, in all of the different groups. I can never tell where it's going to go, how to plan for it. But um, like this one is, is way different than, than the one we had just a couple hours ago. Um, where do you uh, live? Where's your in-person one? Uh, so I live in Malta, Idaho. It's right on the Utah border. Um, uh, it's kind of smack dab in between Twin Falls and Pocatello. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. But yeah, any other questions? Um, I, anybody that kind of joined a little bit later, uh, Group C and Group A have both decided that that we all wanted to to do a kind of a separate YouTube prepper course that's going to be public, um, but doing different skills and, and sharing and, and stuff like that. Uh, how to make this and that and how to build rocket stoves and lots of different kind of things like that. So I'm going to be sending out some different information that's going to be a separate endeavor, um, but those will be actual public YouTube videos, but it's going to be just kind of the members of this group that are making the videos and stuff, at least to begin with. I don't know where it might end up, but um, that, that we'll be able to share those with friends and family and watch them on our own kind of thing. But um, it, it seems like more and more in our book clubs, people are asking questions and uh, talking a lot about um, different tinctures and essential oils and all that kind of stuff. And so we're just going to kind of create a separate space uh, just for those kind of things. It, it's going to be super fun, I, I think. Um, but I'll send out an email with all that information once we get that organized later on this week. Um, and then with that, uh, President Nelson's fireside uh, state conference, regional conference, whatever that was today. Um, people got talking about uh, Wendy's thing to study all of President Nelson's talks. So just an update on that. I do have the book of Nelson. Oh, that's the wrong page. The book of Nelson, but I, I just finishing it. It should be this week, but this is just one through four. There's, there's five different volumes of it. Um, and so I'm going to be having those ready later on this week that I'll be also emailing out that you can study all of his talks with wide margins and footnotes and, and all that to make it easy for you. Um, any other things that I'm missing, Mother, that we talked about last time? 
Oh, hi, Leslie. <laughs> Joining right at the very end. Good thing we, we stuck around for the long haul tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, anything else before we head out for the night? I just like to say that I like to, re I, I attend all three of the, all four of the classes actually, but I like to go back and listen to, to all the recordings. I, I, I love the insights of, of all the different people and I just learn each time I listen to it is, it's kind of a funny thing, but I really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And we have a different crowd, uh, you know, like with Isaiah, um, we have some people that only wanted to do that. And so they, they've dropped out and new people have come in and stuff like that. So you have just like this revolving mix of, of lots of different uh, people and study patterns and, and stuff. That's always fun. But I, I always find that they, everyone becomes my friend. Yeah. I just, <laughs> anyway, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. all right well if that's that's it for the night uh feel free to email me with anything else uh, any housekeeping or questions or or whatever feel free to invite other people if you think that they would uh benefit from uh, studying with a group and stuff we'll we'll get them added and, and everything but yeah have a great week everyone we'll see everyone next week thank you <laughs> bye bye, bye, -bye.